0: Hi listeners, Rachel here with an exciting announcement. We are holding a summer book club bingo game and there is a card that you can download, a bunch of prompts for different types of books that you can choose to read, to play the game along with us. All the instructions and information on how to sign up are at rachelthompson.co book club where you can get your card. And you'll also be able to enter your card to win prizes throughout the summer months. So that's from May to September, we'll be running this book club bingo. I hope you will sign up and uh, read some cool books and be inspired to do some more writerly reading this summer. So all the information is at racheltompson.co slash book club. Welcome, Luminous Writers, to the Write, Publish and Shine podcast. I am your host, author and literary magazine editor rachel thompson this podcast explores how to write and share your brilliant writing with the world in each episode we delve into specifics on how to polish and prepare your writing for publication and the journey from emerging writer to published author Hi, Luminous Writer, and welcome to this, the final episode in my series of special episodes of Write, Publish, and Shine that take you on a deep dive into the creation of Room Magazine issue 46.3, where if you've been listening all along, you know I was lead editor of the issue. And the issue is still available up at roommagazine.com for purchase if you're interested after listening to this and seeing the art that we talk about or reading any of the pieces from the authors that you've heard from in previous episodes. So in addition to accepting writing submissions in each issue, or in, in this issue of Room Magazine, we also accepted art submissions. If you heard my most recent episode, that's episode 86, I spoke with our cover artist, Amy Friend, about her photography and artistic practice And today, it's my delight to speak to another artist whose work we accepted for Inside the Issue. Sarah Esme is an Iranian-American mother, writer, collage artist, producer, director, and lawyer. And she told me about her collage practice and how the artistic interpretation of her visual work differs from her poetry. Here is Sarah Esme on the work she published with us and themes of grief, motherhood, and creativity. I just want to start by welcoming you to the Write, Publish, and Shine podcast, Sarah Esme. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. I'm excited to talk to you about a different aspect of a lit mag because we focus so much on the writing, but in room and in a lot of publications, we also publish art Visual art. So I thought I'd start by asking if you could describe your piece in your own words and tell us a bit about how you made it. I should say it's called Insides and it's an analog collage that you made last year. So, Insides, I guess
1: I would start by saying it's a collage kind of framed by the image of a woman in boots. It's an image of her legs and her thighs. Are bare and she's in boots, black boots from the knees down. And we just see her from kind of the thighs down. She has a bouquet of, I think, orange carnations hanging upside down between her legs. And out of the bouquet is a pendant hanging with a spinning dervish
0: in the middle. Yes. I love that you mentioned that detail too. Of course you did. It was one that I overlooked, I think in my first few viewings, and then it was a cool kind of discovery of a another layer to the collage. Thank you for describing it. I think actually you're reminding me that we've really liked your visual, all of your submissions actually you submitted a few collages at one time, my assistant editor, Ellen Chang Richardson, and I, and we liked that one in particular, Inside the one we selected. But at first I thought, oh, I'm not sure how this connects to the theme of ghosts exactly. But I think between the whirling dervish somehow, it seems spectrally, I guess. And then also we ended up accepting a lot of work that had this sort of organic kind of witchy vibe to it, I guess, somehow. And it felt like it really fit alongside those pieces of writing. So thank you so much for submitting it. Thank you for accepting it. Obviously,
1: everyone can interpret it, you know, however they want. This was created during a time in my own life. I've been thinking a lot about the postpartum period. I'm a new mom. I think I'm still a new mom. I have a two-year-old, so it's still pretty new. And so just kind of thinking about motherhood and the womb, ancestry, the uterus, and generally just womanhood. And the whirling dervish kind of appeared randomly. I have a few cutouts of dervishes, and this is the only one I've used so far. So it's exciting.
0: Yeah. And it's a bit like those portraits, I guess, because it's very much a cutout and not really... I'm out of my depth in terms of speaking artistic language here, but it felt like it was like a silhouette, let's say, of a whirling dervish. and added Again, another layer to it. And I don't really have the language, as you can see, to respond to visual art, but it's more like the emotional response. And something about that was resonant, for sure. How did you pick those pieces? So you said you have a few of that particular type of image, but how did you pick the other images? And it definitely comes across what you're saying about motherhood and Body, in some ways, and as the vehicle of that. How did you make it? I have a lot of magazines.
1: I have like a desk in my bedroom that is just for collage. And I am very fortunate to have friends who give me their old magazines that they don't want anymore. And I have just stacks of of magazines on my collage desk. And when I have time, which is not often these days, but when I do have time, I will cut out images that speak to me and I will collect them and put them in a particular pile. So I have images of smaller, more detailed images, and then I have a pile for backdrop images. So this woman is kind of up against, I would say like a mossy rock and there are some vines in the background of this collage. So that's an example of like background image as opposed to like a detailed specific image, such as the dervish, for instance, or the bouquet of carnations. Sometimes I only have time to do a couple cutouts and then kind of have to leave my desk. Other times I am able to kind of play around with the images and see what works well. I don't really start a collage with like an idea. I let the pieces kind of speak to me and play around a little bit before actually gluing things down. It's more of a like organic process. And I felt like these pieces just fit for
0: what I've been thinking about. I know you mentioned that this was your first visual art publication, but it's not your first lit mag publication. So I'm just curious about how submitting art and publishing art compared to submitting writing and publishing writing and lit mags for you. I've gotten to a point
1: in my life where I am comfortable submitting my writing. I just kind of know what goes into it and I have more practice, I guess. I have more experience and I have been creating collages since I was 24. So, I'm 10 years ago, I'm 34 now. But it's been such a private experience for me. It's very personal and it's something that I've always considered a kind of hobby, something to do to keep my hands busy, almost like I imagine what what knitting would be for some people or sewing Only recently have I kind of pushed myself or challenged myself to get them out there. My collages were always just like on, as I mentioned, my collaging desk and every now and then a friend will come over and they'll say, oh, that's really pretty. Or, oh, that's so like interesting. And I have definitely given some like mini collages away to loved ones as a kind of like intimate gift but me really submitting these to the public and trying to exhibit them even in like physical space it's a new kind of stage in my life and i am really i'm trying <laughs> i'm trying to kind of like see what happens when i put them out into the world and i'm really interested in gauging what people's responses are so it's an offering that has otherwise been very personal
0: i want to ask you about how you choose the let you submit to and where you're sending your work but what you're saying now makes me think about the thing when something switches from personal and something shared among friends to now being seen by the world in this case we published it in a magazine and it's being seen by all of our readers and i guess viewers i guess <laughs> when i'm thinking of the art it's like they're not reading the art but they're viewing the art How do you handle the feedback that comes with that? Because that's sort of the dimension that changes both good and bad about your art. And is it different from feedback on your writing?
1: Yeah, I think that in terms of writing, I'm primarily a poet. And I think generally my poems, people know what I'm writing about, people know what I'm trying to say, or at least they grasp some element of what I'm trying to say. In terms of the collages, I think what's been the most fun is hearing how people interpret the images and the juxtaposition of images, just listening to feelings that are evoked and what they think the piece is about. That has been the most fun
0: part of putting my collages out into the world. What I'm hearing you say is like the poetry. It seems fairly concrete or there's more consensus between you and the reader, but what it's about, but the art is more open to interpretation and moving in different directions. Yes, exactly. I'm stepping away from this conversation with Sarah Esme to let you know how to get a big yes for your writing from literary journals you love. It is in my five-week guided course, which is now open for enrollment. It only opens twice per year, and this is one of the times. So you can learn how to submit your writing more effectively and to kickstart your writing career while you find and connect with your readers. This course is for you if you're not having much luck publishing in lit mags. Maybe you feel overwhelmed about sending your writing to journals. Maybe some of it's been languishing in files for years. Maybe you submit to lit mags but get frustrated with the long waits followed by the heartbreaking sting of rejection. And you ask yourself, what do editors want exactly? Maybe you wish you could find a community of writers to support you and your dreams of getting published. Well, this is where my course comes in. This is why I created this course after Lit Mag Love. You will know the steps you must take to publish your work and take those steps with lots of support. You'll get a big yes for your writing from a dream journal and then another and then another. You'll have a warm community of writers at your fingertips with helpful advice and support when you need it. And I just want you to know that if you are ready to set some big goals for your writing this year, I'm here to help you reach them. Actually, I should say, pre writing next year, because the course does start on January 10th, 2024. Some of the things that writers have kindly said about the course, this is something that Deborah Johnston, a Pushcart Prize nominee, said, is lit mag love was the impetus I needed to get serious and motivated about my submissions. Rachel was a luminous guide offering equal parts, gentle prompts, and discerning truths. Thank you, Deborah, for saying that. And another thing that a writer has said about my writing, this is Rowan McCandless, who was the finalist for the 2022 Governor General's Award for her memoir, Persephone's Children. And Rowan was one of the earlier people who took the course with me before she wrote her memoir. And this was part of her publishing process that helped her develop her craft. So being a part of Lit Mag Love and working with Rachel transformed my writing by opening avenues to publications, developing community, and furthering my commitment to craft. Rachel is a fantastic mentor and I highly recommend this course. Thank you for saying that, Rowan. So if you are interested in learning more about Lip Mag Love and signing up for our course session that starts in January, so you can set off 2024, you'll start it off in a way that's really going to nurture and support your writing and get you on that path toward publishing in your dream journals. You can learn more and find out everything you need to know about the course and register at rachelthompson.co slash That's rachelthompson.co slash lipmaglove. That said, though, the theme of reproduction somehow felt like part of what you sent. So I'm feeling like we're on the same page a little bit (laughs) there. And And some of the poetry that we put that beside was like earthy and about the body, I guess, somehow, too. So I feel like there's still probably some themes that we can interpret, I hope, anyway, that are closer to your intentions.
1: Yeah. And also, just like a quote really stood out to me that I read. I think it's by Anne Lamott. And she says, like, write the book that you want to read, something like that. I'm probably butchering that, but like, write the thing, you know, that you want to read or that you wished was available to you. And that really reframed, I think, my art making. I come from a family and a culture that, doesn't really want us as young women to share our experiences or to be completely honest about our experiences. So reading that quote by Anne Lamont, you know, write the book, or in other words, you know, make the collage, send it out, was a way for me to kind of face my fears of putting my work out there and take a risk. And actually expose what is going on, you know, behind closed doors or, you know, the various experiences of motherhood. Like I said, the postpartum phase. So I do feel like generally, if it's a poem or a collage that would expose something about me, my life, what I'm going through, as scary as it might be, I think those are the pieces that. I am actively trying now to get out into the world because chances are somebody else needs it
0: too. If I needed it, chances
1: are somebody else does.
0: Yeah, I love that. I definitely know that to be true about writing. Like those are the pieces too that people respond to the most. And so I imagine that's the case with your art as well with your collage. What other places have you sent work to and how do you choose the places that you send work to? and How has it felt to send out those sort of personal vulnerable pieces? I generally choose kind of like
1: woman-centered, feminist publications to submit my work to. I find that there are less barriers in submitting to those kinds of journals and publications. So those are the kinds of publications I generally submit to. And I am really interested in the relationship between editor and contributor. I think that there is a lot of room for collaboration. And I think it's really rewarding as a writer or as someone who's submitting to work with the editor and have a conversation about the piece and also just kind of figure out and talk about how the piece fits into the general issue and the theme. I think that's not necessarily, it doesn't happen a lot. (laughs) But when it does happen, I find that to be really rewarding and really a gift because so much of submitting work is impersonal. You know, we just kind of fill out forms, attach a document, send out a piece into the world. Someone accepts it or somebody doesn't. And then it appears like six months later on average. But those journals that really, send their feedback, or break that wall between administrator and artist. I think those are the ones that I actively try to submit to.
0: Why did you choose to submit your work to ROOM? I think you've already answered that in part with your approach to women-centered publications. I really appreciate
1: what ROOM is doing. I find that it's inclusive. I think that was a really big Thing that attracted me to Room. But as I mentioned, really, you had me at the oldest feminist literary journal in Canada. (laughs) So the way I submit is it's a website called monday.com, and you can put tasks as well as like due dates. And every month I have a list of journals and their submission due dates right there. And that's my process. That's how I know when to submit for work, you know, I keep adding to that list. So if ever I read a piece of writing that I love in a journal, I'll usually go and like research the journal, find out, you know, when they're accepting submissions
0: and go ahead and plug it in. It's always welcome to share tools. And this sounds like a great one to be clear though. It's a task tool. So you're putting in the deadlines. is not really specific to lit mags, but it's how you're organizing yourself. Am I understanding that right? Yes, exactly. Okay, cool. I will find the link and put it in the show notes as well so people can use that. That sounds great. So you talked a little bit about these themes that are haunting you and you, you know, I'm using the word haunting because of course we're on this ghost-themed kick right now, but that, you know, we're part of the submission that you sent to us. Are those still the themes that are haunting you or what are you working on right now? I think those are generally
1: still the themes. And I will say that There are, as I'm growing, (laughs) I am becoming a little bit more picky, I guess, about how I spend my time. And some of that also has to do with people. I'm becoming better at like discerning kind of like toxic influences in my life, you know, or influences that like really don't serve me what I'm going through. So I will say that a lot of my work right now is about like shedding and shedding what isn't serving me. And sometimes, you know, that includes a toxic person or an influence and just trying to be very intentional about who I am surrounding myself with and what is surrounding me. And I've become a little bit more sensitive. I've become way more sensitive, I should say, about this ever since I had my daughter two years ago, something kind of switched where I thought, not only do I need to protect myself, but I also need to protect my family. And there were certainly some influences in my life at the time that I was kind of on the fence about, like, do I continue to keep this in my life or do I move on? Those influences, you know, those people, I should say, I was on the fence about it. And I was on the fence about it because I guess it was just me. And I was like uncertain about what was going to happen and like what would become of my life. And once I had my daughter, it became crystal clear. My priorities sort of shifted. That being said, I would say, in relation to ghosts, I am still very much haunted by. Some of the things and some of the people that I have said goodbye to. I wouldn't say that that is regret, but I would say that it's kind of grief. And so, in some ways, grief is a ghost.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that sentiment. I usually end with like a, what I call a quick lit round, and I've kind of modified my questions around art. (laughs) I'm sorry, they're not questions, but they're like, fill in the blank sentences. So I start the sentence and then ask you to finish it. Are you game to try this? Yes, of course. So the first is being an artist is delicious. Literary magazines are a platform. And then the next one I haven't tweaked as much. I said editing requires, but I'm thinking maybe revision or just changes require. Yeah. The inner critic rejection for an artist means forging ahead. And then finally, artistic community is? Precious. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing your time with me and your thoughts and for submitting your work in the first place to our issue. I'm really happy that we selected it. And it was really just kind of a beautiful addition to the issue as well. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for
0: collaborating and thank you for doing the work that you do. So that was Sarah Esme on her artistic and creative practice. I loved her art so much. And so hearing more about what went into the piece we published called Insides was just, of course, icing on the cake, as have been all of these conversations with our contributors. As I speak to each of them, I just find I have an affinity for how they approach craft and how they think about the themes in their work. As I was putting together this episode, I reached out to Merjula Morgan, who is one of the writers in my course and membership community, and a dear person who contributes so much to our community and who is writing a beautiful family memoir. And I reached out to Merjula because she has started a collage practice this year, and I'm always curious about parallel artistic practices that support our writing. We have many writers working on, for example, haiku as a daily practice, on visual journaling, And some are working on collage like Merjula. So I asked her if she would write something for me about how she got into collage. And this is what she said. So Merjula said, I turn to collage when I'm processing uncomfortable feelings, sitting in grief and or trying to capture joy on the page. Colors, images, textures help me to play what I'm trying to express. I absolutely love collage as it gives me a sense of freedom that words don't. As a writer, I sometimes feel that I'm limited by language, the pressure of producing, and the competition to be published. With collage, I feel free to express without those boundaries and judgment. Collage, like unwritten art, can be appreciated by everyone, not only those who have studied and are familiar with the written word. My emotions, feelings, grief, rage, hope, almost anything has a different life in collage. I often feel that words aren't enough. And maybe they're meant to be just that, enough to a point. I get excited when I think about where collage mixed with words could take me in my memoir, as there are so many blanks, silences, gaps due to missing information. Using color or the absent of it on the page is something I do consider. So that was everything Merdula said, but I really appreciate what Merdula said about her practice and how it helps her in some ways. It sounds to me, I'm interpreting here, but it sounds to me like Merjula uses the practice of collage because there's less pressure around it. And I definitely understand that feeling of pressure. I feel that myself. I'm one of the people who do visual journaling and I love drawing and doodling in my journal, but I don't feel like I'm a visual artist per se. So I'm not feeling the pressure to make that perfect somehow. But of course, in my writing, I'm known as a writer and there's sort of this standard that I somehow hold that work up to. So it's fun to play in another media. And I also really love what she says about trying to mix that other media in with her writing as well, too, to complement the work. And we're seeing more and more exciting experimentations in form. In fact, in room 46.3, we published a lot of work that was visual. There's one piece, the text of a poem that's literally shaped in this sort of Very interesting kind of scratchy visual of a plant. It's a poem about a plant. Of course, it's about grief and ghosts and being kind of haunted by that plant. But there's a lot of really interesting experimentation happening. And I'm excited about what Merjula is saying about trying in her own writing in terms of mixing genres. So thank you so much for sharing those insights into collage as a practice that complements your writing and adds more layers I wrote that before recording this and realized, oh, there's a pun there. I didn't intend, but I decided to keep it in. If you've been listening to this series as well, you know that I've had a lot of fun with the puns related to haunting and ghosts, etc. So why not with collage too? So we're going to add more layers. Thank you again, Murjula. And thanks again to collage artist Sarah Esme for speaking with me today in this, our final Ghosts-themed episode of the podcast, or at least ghosts issue themed, because of course, I'm sure ghosts and haunting will come up again in future episodes. I really love what Sarah Esme said about shedding what isn't working for her and being cautious about who and what surrounds her and the influences in her life. I'm sure a lot of us are feeling that these days in terms of, I guess, the polarization of what's happening, the disinformation out there that We're kind of getting in these intractable positions around what is reality, what is truth. And I think I definitely support the idea of maybe going, okay, well, I'm going to maybe miss some people in my life, but that she's still very much haunted by some of the things and some of the people I have said goodbye to. And in some ways, as she put it, grief is a ghost. So what a note to end this series on, the idea that grief itself is a ghost. If you listened To other episodes in the series, you'll know that from my perspective, as I produced this issue, I was expanding on the very first issue that I edited as part of the Room Editorial Collective that was on the theme of loss. So, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, grief is a ghost. We're going kind of full circle here then. And that was it for this special ghost series where we invited you to come haunt us with your submissions. Maybe you were one of the people who did submit your writing to that issue and you weren't published with us. And just want to thank you so much for trusting us with your work. And I hope that we can haunt each other in some way some other time. And if you're one of the many brilliant writers and artists who published with us or part of the collective of amazing people at Room who had a hand in producing this issue, thank you so much for this co-creation was a meaningful experience and one that I hold very close to my heart as a fairly haunted human, which might be all of us when you think about grief as a ghost that haunts us. My next episode of the Write, Publish, and Shine podcast, so it will be a non ghosts episode and it'll also be the last one of this year. It's a book club conversation call. So I'll remind you, it's been a few episodes since I mentioned it, that we're currently reading On Connection by Kay Tempest. It is a short, book that has a lot of impact in it so there's still time if you wanted to pick up a copy to read it we're going to delve into some of the questions from that book but some of the questions that we start with too is like who is this book for and how can it help your writing so you don't need to have read our book club book to listen in to our conversations about books so that's coming up thank you so much for coming along on this series of dives into the production of the ghost issue at room There's so much more goodness happening over at roommagazine.com. You can check out other issues from my brilliant colleagues there. The Write, Publish and Shine podcast is brought to you by me, Rachel Thompson. Sound editing by Adam Linder. Transcripts by Dia Jaffrey. Thanks also for production support from Melly Walker, who is also the community facilitator for all my writing courses, including the Lit Mag Love course that's coming up. And the Lit Mag Love Course is now open for registration. We only offer this two times per year, and this is the first session of 2024 that registrations open for. We start on January 10th, so hop into the course that will help you get a big yes for your writing and start off 2024 as a banner year for your writing. If this episode encouraged you to collage, perhaps experiment with some other parallel forms of expression or to think about ghosts and grief, I would love to hear all about it. You can always email me at hello at rachelthompson.co and tell other Luminous writers about this episode. You can do this by sending them to the podcast at rachelthompson.co slash podcast. We're letting them know to search for Write, Publish, and Shine wherever they get their podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to keep haunting LitBags with your luminous writing submissions. Sarah Esme spoke to me from Pasadena, California, which is Tongva land. And I am a guest in the South Sinai, Egypt, on lands historically and presently occupied by the El Muzina Bedouin. Join our game of book club bingo this summer. Learn more and sign up at rachelthompson.co slash book club.